0: This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Acorns. Grow your oak. Acorns helps you grow your money. In under five minutes, get investment accounts for you and your family, plus retirement, checking, ways to earn more money, and grow your knowledge. Take control with all-in-one investment, retirement, checking, and more. Just $1.00. $3 three dollars or five dollars a month find out more by going to autoconverse.com slash acorns that's www.autoconverse.com forward slash acorns from acorns mighty oaks do grow
1: if you ask any scientist, are you sure that human activity is causing global warming any any scientist should say no because you cannot be sure um, let's say hypothetically CO2 was good for the environment. And let's say, hypothetically, the United States possessed all the oil in the world. Well, you'd still have to get off oil because it's a finite resource. And as you start to run out of it, the scarcity would drive the cost up and cause economic collapse. It's just, I just don't understand why we'd run that experiment. Particularly when you consider that at some point we have to get to something that is sustainable. We have to have sustainable production of energy and consumption of energy. Because tautologically, if it's unsustainable, you will run out of it.
0: That was Elon Musk, of course, Tesla's CEO and SpaceX, explaining that we don't need a quote-unquote global climate crisis to justify the need for sustainable energy. As he pointed out, we will eventually run out of fossil fuels. Everybody understands that. And so logically, sustainability is necessary for our survival. It's just that we don't need to make a crisis to justify the reason for having sustainability, which is somewhat of our theme today in this episode, where we'll be laying out the bipartisan infrastructure bill that just went into effect, which includes provisions for sustainability. We'll also be looking into some recent developments in electrification, not just in cars, but in a small community in Louisiana. From Autoverse Media, this is AutoConverse. AutoConverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's,
1: that's my jam. The robots are listening. The, the robots, robots are, are listening.
0: listening. All right, and welcome to another episode of the AutoConverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. It's great to be here with you folks, as always. So it took a few months, but President Joe Biden has signed his $1 trillion infrastructure deal into law, which had bipartisan support. The bill represents the nation's largest investment in its roads, bridges, and electric grid in more than a decade. It also unleashes tens of billions of dollars of spending on climate, resiliency, electric vehicles, removing lead service from lines, and other environmental projects. So according to Axios, the infrastructure bill will cost $1.2 trillion over eight years and offers more than $550 billion in new spending. Now, I have a long list of things in front of me. I'll get through it quickly. We won't get too into detail, but this includes over $100 billion for roads, bridges, and infrastructure fix-ups and repairs across the country, another $40 billion for new funding, and bridge repair, replacement and rehab, and other major products there. Over $70 billion for the electric grid and power structures. We have billions for rail services, broadband, water infrastructure, environmental remediation, flooding, coastal resiliency, climate resiliency, including protections against fires. Um, modernizing transit. That'd be public transit, which by the way, next week on the show, we have a guest coming on, Paul Comfort, who runs the podcast Transit Unplugged, which is for the public transportation industry. There's provisions in here for airports, port infrastructure, transportation and safety programs, electric vehicles, and charging, buses, ferries. It's a good bill. It's a good bill. It's a lot of money, we're bankrolling. This is what we do, and we won't get into the economy. But it's a good bill for this country. Now, there's a social spending and climate package bill worth double this amount that is still under debate by Democrats in the Senate. But this one has this portion has gone through as bipartisan. Now, many of the things mentioned in this list we have enjoyed covering and exploring here on the AutoConverse podcast over the years, which is coming up on four years, actually. And some of these things we're beginning to explore even more. So, for instance, climate change and and sustainable energy uh, and also electrification. And not just of cars, but roads and cities as well. So these two developments in particular, I think, are tied together, but only temporarily for now, hopefully. The push for electrification, as Elon Musk was saying in that opening clip, it's inevitable. It's futile. There's no point in resisting it, even though... Toyota would like to because they're they're privy to huge hydrogen fuel cells, but that's another topic. Electrification is truly probably best for this country. I'm not going to argue against that, but I don't think we need a climate crisis to justify the need to push for electrification. We're heading in the right direction if you think about how polluted this world has been through the Industrial Revolution. Now, we've cleaned up our act, but the other aspect of climate change we have to consider is that while we might want to do our part that doesn't mean all other countries are going to do their part so specifically you have India and China who are are more significant pollutants to global warming than the United States would be but they're doing less about it again these are whole other topics so just to wrap up that point yes we should build a case, we, we should build a case for electrification not based on a crisis but based on efficiency economics, and the environment. As it turns out, there are plenty of cases for electrification and there is plenty already to show for it. And this is exciting because it shows you how far we've how far we are and how far we've come in such a short period of time. We already reported last month about Toyota building a U.S. battery plant as part of a $3.4 billion investment into electric vehicles. And just recently, EV charging solution provider EV Connect announced that the company is one of the approved EV charging partners for GM dealerships in the U.S. and Canada. More than 600 GM dealerships have already signed up to leverage EV Connect's charging solutions to help support the automaker's call for electrification. General Motors, remember, said, It will be installing up to 40,000 electric vehicle chargers across North America as part of an ambitious plan to pour nearly $750 million into charging infrastructure that will help attract drivers to its electrified models. Okay, let's go beyond automakers. The state of Michigan is developing plans for the Lake Michigan electric vehicle circuit. The plan is to get enough EV charging stations into the ground to give drivers the opportunity to visit the state's west coast in zero emission vehicles and not worry about where they'll be able to charge the battery. And let me tell you, you could spend two to three weeks driving up and down the coast of the west coast of Lake Michigan. So that's vehicles. But then we have EV battery technology and the materials necessary for production, limitations on each different types of technology, which I actually outline in detail on a piece I wrote up on Medium. If you want to get that, go to RyanGirardi.com, look for a link to my Medium articles, and it's titled Electric Batteries, Not Engines, Drive New Mobility and Auto Tech. And here's one of my favorite stories, about a homeowner in Louisiana, whose community was without power for over 10 days after Hurricane Ida passed through. Now he had previously installed a backup battery system in his home that recharged during the day from the solar panels on his roof. The outfit cost 60 grand to put up, but he was able to provide emergency power to those in need, including his own home for, for over 10 days. So some would argue that every home and every building in the world, let alone the U.S., should be equipped with such technology, which idealistically, yes, I agree that would be great. Obviously, there are costs to do that, but we have that capability now. Just imagine that, that your, your home and your office, it just operates on a battery that recharges every day. All you need is sunlight. So, you know, there's still vulnerabilities there, but at least it's, it's renewable in that sense. Now, as the world's car makers and governments turn towards electrification, some stakeholders are looking to keep gas-powered engines on the road without traditional petroleum-based fuel. So Porsche is kind of candid about the limitations of synthetic fuels. In fact, the CEO, Oliver Blurney, said, Our goal is and remains electric mobility. This is the future. It must be emphasized that we don't see the use of e-fuels as an alternative, but as an addition. To the all electric drive. And then, as I mentioned a little earlier, you have Toyota, who's really more heavily invested into hydrogen fuel cells. All right, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break and have a few more developments related to electrification. And then we'll get into some other subjects as well to wrap up the show. We'll be right back.
1: Hey Dad, are you still looking for a car? Did you know that when you click on car ads, dealers pay for every click? But shouldn't you get paid? After all, you're the one clicking. That's why I use Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you build rewards as you shop. Plus, Ask Auto recommends exclusive offers based on your needs. You can ask questions on cars you like and still protect your personal information you can even set your price who knew car shopping could be so easy and rewarding ask auto fast fun and rewarding car shopping
0: all right well welcome back to the program thanks for staying tuned in uh, before we continue on with mobility tech and connectivity news I do have a few announcements to uh, share with you here so next week is our live monthly webcast uh, we have the co-founder of Dive Design coming on. talking about pet prosthetics and mobility. Uh, And a new 3D printed canine quad cart that they made for one of their rescue dogs. Also have the founder of Ask Auto, a new shopping site that actually rewards shoppers for engaging with car ads by local auto dealers on the network. And yes, if you were paying attention, you did just hear an Ask Auto ad. And then we also have, which I believe I mentioned earlier, The host of the Transit Unplugged podcast, Paul Comfort, coming on, will be talking uh, about the new spending bill, the new infrastructure bill, and some of the developments in the Department of Transportation. So here's a new development. Facebook, which will soon be going by the name Meta, is shutting down its facial recognition system, which automatically identifies users in photos and videos. Remember that? And they're doing this citing growing societal concerns about the use of such technology. So here's the deal, I looked into this just a little bit. This doesn't mean they're not gonna still be recognizing your face. What they're not gonna be doing is automatically identifying you and sharing you and crowdsourcing your face within the network. Doesn't mean they're not gonna be identifying you in pictures. In other news, Verizon and Nissan Completed a proof of concept showing how sensor data from vehicles and surrounding infrastructure can be processed at the edge of Verizon's wireless network to help, to help guide drivers in near real time. Now the edge is Verizon's multi-axis edge computing layer in 5G, which processes significantly more information more efficiently than previous generations. Proof of concept early, early on. This is an example of cellular vehicle-to-everything technology, CV2X, which is being applied to scenarios where drivers may find it difficult to see pedestrians or oncoming traffic if they're obscured from view. And it uses the 5G, LG, LTE, and Nissan's proprietary telematics test platform. I'll share something with you. I was uh, in a country road heading home, and the sun was down so it was dark and I'm at a t-bone intersection if you will so and I'm turning left and there was a couple cars coming at me from the from the left side and a couple and one coming from the right but I had plenty of time there was no need to rush or be urgent and as I was turning just as I finished making that left turn onto the highway where the speed limit was 55 did I see a car coming at me in front of the one in front of the one that I was looking at, but it made me realize it was kind of a optical illusion, if you will, the way that the timing of the speed and the lights were. I just couldn't see the car in front of him, even though it was there and the lights were on. And that's the kind of thing that uh, vehicle car connectivity. Could uh, could help out. In fact, in the new infrastructure bill, one of the things that we're going to talk about were the seven ways that this new infrastructure bill could change your future car. And it's pretty much all, literally all, safety related features. So, for instance, uh, detection for DUI, So the car not being able to operate what if because it can it can detect and tell that you're you're um, under the influence of alcohol. Uh, adaptive driving beam headlights, which have not ever been permitted in America, they're they're standard for mo- not most cars but luxury cars in uh, in Europe. Those are going to start seeing uh, adaptive uh, beam headlights here in the U.S. If not sure what those are, we'll have to uh, fill you on how that works. They're pretty fascinating technology. Uh, what else? Standard rear seat reminders, right? So you can't leave you know babies and kids in the car. Automatic engine shut off and uh, uh, making it impossible also for cars to roll. So these are all types of regulations that uh, are, put are, are call them mandates, if you will, that get put on automakers uh, for their vehicles. The Tennessee General Assembly has approved incentives and infrastructure funding for Ford Motor Company and South Korean battery company SK Innovations Planning a 3,600-acre blue oval city campus. And the project is set to be a 5.6 billion dollar investment by Ford and SK at the Memphis regional megasite, creating 5,800 new jobs. So, great new development there. Again, one way for uh, for automakers to 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 uh, test technologies uh, right there in you know in 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 cities and in suburban areas. And just to leave things off, here's a fun one for you. General Motors is teaming up with Lockheed Martin to produce the ultimate off-road self-driving electric vehicles for the moon. The project is still in the early stages and has yet to score any NASA money, but the goal is to design light yet rugged vehicles that will travel farther and faster than the lunar rovers that carried NASA's Apollo astronauts in the 70s. The initial rovers will be designed to carry two astronauts at a time. And here's something cool. The U.S. Department of Energy, along with General Motors and MathWorks, announced the Echo Car EV Challenge, which will kick off in the fall of next year. It's now accepting applications from universities with ABET accredited engineering programs. Teams will have four years to design and engineer a next generation battery electric vehicle that utilizes automation and vehicle-to-everything connectivity to implement energy-efficient and customer-appealing features. Teams will follow a real-world vehicle development process to meet rigorous technical milestones throughout the program and will compete head-to-head with other teams in annual competition finals with the series culminating in the summer of 2026. Well, let's hope that we're around to report on that four years from now. Oh, and by the way, about the show next week, If you want to tune into the show, you have got a couple options. The best bet is to text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585 and we'll send you a link to our YouTube channel and you can subscribe. And then, because you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, you'll get notified from YouTube when we schedule the event or when we go live and we'll send you a text message with the link in it as well. So again, text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585. All right, well, that is a wrap for today. Thanks again for tuning in, and I appreciate you being here, letting us catch you up on some of the big headlines and some of the more obscure elements. Uh, This is what we love doing. We've got some really neat things coming your way uh, to get excited about, so just keep staying tuned. If you haven't given us a rating review on Apple, iTunes, or Google Play Store, please go ahead and do that. And um, Hey, tell a friend or two about the podcast as well. Appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll be back in a few days. See you, bye!
1: The Honda autonomous work vehicle is a multi-purpose, fully electric, off-road vehicle that can move autonomously or by remote control. The vehicle is mostly being used for material transport, but we believe that the vehicle can provide much more value. So right now we're partnering with Black & Veatch to assess the capabilities of the vehicle at a large-scale construction site.
2: We're in the Southwest United States. We have about a thousand acres out here that we're building a 120 megawatt solar field on. The Honda AWV helps us out here with, you know, having a thousand acres, it takes quite a bit of time to get from one side of the job site to the other, cuts down on travel time for us, and allows the equipment to do the job instead of having more people allocated to getting material out in the field.
1: So the Honda AWV is based on our Pioneer side-by-side chassis. It's a four-wheel drive platform that's capable of maneuvering in rough terrain. The AWV has a variety of sensors that we use for movement in the real world. So we're using GPS-based technology so the vehicle can identify where it is in space. And we're using LiDAR and radar sensors for obstacle detection. A remote operator can use an app to control the vehicle to move in different places in the environment. So once the operator has an idea of the actual environment, they can upload that information to our software. And we can run simulations to control the vehicle in different ways in simulation, but then we can validate that information in the real world.
2: The Honda Autonomous Work Vehicle really allows us to, from a safety side, take out some of the repetition that our crews have to do day in and day out. So it alleviates some of the injuries and things that they can encounter from doing repetitive tasks all the time. And then we're also utilizing it for just some basic safety stuff, making sure the guys have cold water, electrolytes. We also have hands and employees who are now freed up to work on other tasks. And so from a production standpoint, it allows us to be more productive as well.
1: So the knowledge that we gain from this project will ultimately help motivate the design of the next generation AWV. So we're continuing to seek business partners to further develop the technology. Honda's ultimate goal is to make this technology available and more useful to a variety of industries.
0: This is AutoBurst Media.